You're listening to Geeks Unleashed, a podcast that covers what's current in the world of pop culture. I'm Mark Brassington, and I'm in London. And I'm Jasmine in Texas. Hello, welcome to Geeks Unleashed. This is episode 77. Uh, as usual, I'm Mark. And I'm Jasmine. And this week we are joined by Verno from the Cerebros podcast. Welcome, to, uh, welcome, Verno. Thank you guys so much for having me back, man. I'm stoked to be uh, talking about Why the Last Man with you. Oh, no worries. We're stoked that you're here. Yeah, seriously. And spoiler <laughs> warning, this is a review show. So if you have not had a chance to watch the first season of Why the Last Man uh, on FX on Hulu, uh, you might want to pause this and come back later. Uh, if there is a the later, UK. oh, Disney Plus in the UK. There you go. Yeah, Did not yeah. know that. Hmm. Also, before we get started, if you are on YouTube, please remember to like and subscribe to this video. Let us know what you thought about Why the Last Man in the comments. And if you're listening to this podcast, please remember to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple or Podchaser. Five stars only. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Anyway, um, Fono, before we kick off, you you were with us a few weeks ago for our finale of Horror Fest, um, Fear Street. So uh, hopefully um, we won't take up as long as your uh, evening as we did with Fear Street this time around. So, <laughs> we, um, we had a lot to cover then, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, the Fear Street trilogy. Um, Although so, I'm not sure that this was too much of an upgrade, but I guess I'll save that for later. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll just stop talking about that. And um, so let's, before we before we jump into anything, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped the other day. Annoyingly for me, it dropped while I was asleep. Uh, so when I woke up, I had to make sure I didn't click on any social media apps and uh, just went and watched the trailer straight away. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I was disappointed with no Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. I was hoping they might even They're not going to put us. them in the trailer. No, no, but I hope there might be like some sort of tease. Like you see like, I don't know, like a foot or, or yeah. something, something. <laughs> like, well, you know. I, I read somewhere, someone was like, wouldn't it be sweet if Andrew Garfield swooped in and saved MJ because he couldn't save... Uh, What's her face? Mm. How's her name? Gwen Stacy. Oh, yeah. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, no, I done. want. Yeah, but I want Tom Holland to be able to save his own girlfriend. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, I, I I don't know how I feel if that happened. Like, or I don't know. Anyway, what what are your thoughts then on the trailer? I well, first off, I'm not normally the type to even watch a trailer. Like, if me and yeah. my fiance we go to the theater and a big Just like blind? a movie. That, well, no, well, we come in if like if I'm at a theater at a mcu trailer starts playing i go num, 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 you know what i mean oh, really? <laughs> yeah we put our hoods over i don't i don't care i don't i don't want to see trailers and i was actually right before i was talking to you earlier mark my buddy was talking to me about doing something for this movie coming up and he's like man i've watched that trailer 50 times like i don't normally watch trailers <laughs> and i told him i'm probably not gonna watch it I'm like, I'll probably just stay away from it. And then, like, not two minutes later, you're like, well, we're going to get into the trailer for Spider-Man. I'm like, oh, I'm it. <laughs> so uh, if, if you just said to me, like, nah. oh, look, I, I would have said, like, hey, we'll leave it. But, no, it's all um, right. I mean, it's impossible to avoid anyway. And I knew it, that's kind of the annoying thing about it. Like, yeah. I know what's coming. We all yeah. we all can assume at this point, if if Andrew Garfield and what's the uh, yeah tell me if they don't show up in this movie people are gonna riot it's a massive disappointment so i didn't really mind that they weren't in this trailer i was i guess i'm kind of happy to see the amount of dr strange that we saw in the trailer that's my big takeaway from Mm. it i didn't want to see another like where he just comes in for a minute he's like okay thor i've got fancy gloves now and i'll show you 
like I'll help you out and then I'm out of the movie. It seems like he's going to be a part of the movie in a in a larger role than just like because he's got like a seven uh, movie contract or something big like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange actor dude. I'm terrible with actors names, by the way. I'll just throw that out there. Cumberbatch. Oh. Cumberbatch. Yeah, <laughs> I'm terrible. With, I'm terrible with names too. So what's your name again? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Vern Diggity. I'll give you my DJ name, but uh, no, let's not. <laughs> no, but I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was, you know, I, I knew that we were going to get all these cameos and all that. So I thought what we saw in the trailer was awesome. I just hope that it doesn't take away too much from the viewing experience of the movie because right. they, they tend to ruin. Imagine going into Thor, the that Ragnarok movie, and not knowing that the Incredible Hulk was going to be in it. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? When that scene yeah. where he comes amazing, out, yeah. if you didn't know he was going to be in it, that would have been the best part of the movie. But it's now it's like just a whatever part of the movie because we saw it a hundred times in the trailer ahead of time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there was that um, Jim Jim Carrey film where um, uh, something almighty where he becomes God for a day or something. Bruce Almighty. Yeah, Bruce Almighty, yeah. And like the trailer, literally every, I remember this, every joke in the trailer was the, every joke in the film. Right. And I, and I remember going to cinema and I was like, Literally, I'm not even laughing because I've seen this trailer like 20 times. Like, like not because I wanted to, just because it was like on normal TV and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I and I think also on Netflix, um, I've noticed this when you're on the Netflix app uh, on the TV and stuff. Like, um, all the trailers for anything they have on there literally show you the whole film or the whole TV series. So I now like I don't I don't trust Netflix with trailers. They literally will like show you the plot twists and stuff like that. Mm. So I, I I am I'm like you, but this thing was gonna get ruined anyway. So right. I thought I thought I'm just gonna watch it on my own thing and not let somebody else tell me. Yeah. Um, but the one thing I did take away from this was okay, so they introduced a lot more of the villains. We saw Sandman, we saw Scorpion uh, we saw Electro, mm-hmm. uh, different green, green Goblin. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Lizard, um, not Scorpion, uh, Lizard. And one of the things I did completely take away from this was that Dodd Strange said to um, Peter Parker was, "All these villains die," and Peter Parker actually wants to save these villains. So I am interested to know what's going to happen. Is this a, a brilliant way of bringing all of these villains back? And is this Sony finally getting the Sinister Six movie that they, mm. they, they, they've been wanting it for years? So will there be... I don't imagine they're going to go to all the effort of bringing these people back uh, for one movie. I can't see that. that that's mm. my take. Right. Uh, and they're good villains. <clears throat> I mean, William Defoe is one of the best sort of, you know... TV villain, uh, sorry, movie villains going. I think I was, still right. quote his character from the first Spider Man when that uh, lab assistant is like, no, 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 we got to take this back to formula, and he gets those crazy eyes, and he's like, back to formula. Like, <laughs> me and my friends quote that all the time. <laughs> Did wow. we see his face or just heard his voice in the trailer? Just heard his voice. Right. Okay. Uh, I thought I his yeah. voice. But they confirmed uh, it. They said that he was like on set, all hooded up and stuff, so that people wouldn't notice him. And uh, one of my friends actually works for or with um shoot thomas what is his last name the guy who plays sandman oh oh i can't remember from wings oh yeah but she was like you know i thought there was something up with him because uh he'd been awol for so long and she's like well maybe they got i said well if he was secretly in this film like maybe marvel did all of the pr for him instead of like <laughs> him, him reaching out to his normal pr team to be like hey guys right. hook me up i'm going to the set of spider-man so uh, yeah 
I I'm wondering as well, like, because they didn't the things they didn't show. Obviously, they didn't show a lot. So, like, is Vulture going to be in it? Is Venom going to be in it? Um, I'm I don't know. I'm just I still think they hid a lot from us, so I'm not right too too worried about the movie. And will it be confined to just Spider Man? rogues and, and friends like could we get x-men in it could we are you know what i mean are they going to go into the other mm-hmm. movie marvel movies outside of the mc oh yeah because listen if that, they put blade in eternals who knows who they're going to throw in this spider-man film yeah <laughs> right so well because you know you know the um in the trailer you see dot strange and all the sky is going green or something and dot strange says oh they're all coming through i mean yeah is that are they are they going to cheat and bring the mutants in that way. I don't know. We're all speculating now, but right. Uh, I mean, we got five weeks to go, man. It's gonna be a long five weeks. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, we've we, we've been joking on the podcast for ages about um, all these Spider-Man rumors and who's gonna be in it. Like me and Jasmine even thought at one point we were gonna be in the movie. So. I mean, I can neither <laughs> confirm nor deny whether or not I'm in, in this film or not. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I do love it though when Andrew Garfield gets quizzed. He looks so guilty. Like he, <laughs> he, he honestly, he was on one of those talk show things. He was on like a Skype thing or whatever, and he honestly, he's got a terrible poker face. Like, or he's got the best poker face, and he's not in the movie, and he literally like, <laughs> right. like it was like yeah, laughing away. Like yeah. Uh, anyway, we'll we'll leave it there. But I'm looking forward to the movie, and I don't care oh, if yeah. I watched it. And um, I mean, it pretty much confirmed a big chunk of the rumors that had been going around. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still bored. holding out. I'm going to say this every time. I'm holding out that post credit, mid credit, something. We get a tiny sliver of Miles Morales. That's that is literally all I want from this film. I could see it for sure. I, I, I kind of what some, you said. Yeah, like just I could a, see a post credit, especially. Yeah. yeah, I could see it. For, they mentioned him. In the first MCU mm-hmm. Spider-Man film, yes. like his uncle is confirmed. His uncle's in it. Yes. Yeah, and they, they they confirmed that the the nephew exists. So yeah. for sure, yeah, I hope we see. Come him on, too. like just like Peter's walking down the street after everything is over, and then we don't even have to see like a whole body, but like if we could see a kid wearing some like J's, I'd be like, oh my god, that's right. Miles Morales' foot! <laughs> right. I swear. What what I have been wondering was like if they were to end this movie with that potentially Tom Holland's Peter Parker is dead from the perception of the mcu but maybe tom holland's spider-man wakes up in whatever world like venom and stuff came from so then sony will go and do their own thing with tom holland um like that's kind of what i'd been wondering like if because i hope not like, <laughs> i don't like, think anybody wants that no i don't no, think no, anybody so... wants sony to get their hands on tom holland well no no, no they, they don't but i just remember kevin feige saying spider-man is the only character that has the ability to go between two universes that was part of their deal they did with sony i remember mm-hmm. kevin Feige saying something along those lines which made me wonder eventually is sony just gonna taken back now they've had three lucrative movies and hope that fans will just follow uh, and um and watch the garbage that they put out so or what um, if they don't introduce like mutants specifically but what if like we get a sentinel like right some just some kind of indication that that's the route that we're going next well, wasn't there rumors like a long time ago that Patrick Stewart was supposed to be in this movie or he was in mm. talks to be in it? That, oh, that so I really. would love that. Like, I, I don't want this to be the way that they introduce the mutants that are going to be going forward. 
I would just yeah. like it to be contained in this movie. Like, let's see Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, like just, <laughs> you know, Halle Berry, just a, a glimpse at these people, but not have it be reintroducing them into the MCU. You know? I think that'd be cool if it was like an end credits thing, not, not part of the main movie. Like, you know, mm. the titles have all gone up and then we get like a two minute, I don't know, thing where, yeah, like you say, they just suddenly, or something happens. I don't know. I, well, I can, I can see like, like a a montage in the middle of the movie where yeah. you're, like, oh, God, you're seeing all these glimpses of all yeah. these different universes. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. But you're not in them. It's like all of those rifts that are opening. Like what if you can just peek through the rift and it's like a rift opens up at, you know, the professor X's school and you're like in a right. classroom and Halle Berry is teaching all the mutants and they're like, what the fuck? What is this opening <laughs> right. up in the ceiling? Yeah. Yeah. A montage would be cool. But yeah, like you say, that doesn't take away from the movie. Like, by introducing that all of a sudden the mutants, but if you just have it for maybe a two or three minute montage where mm -hmm. like they say the skies fall in and that actually, that would be cool. Like mm -hmm. I, I could get more of that. Um, anyway, let's leave the speculation there. And um, cause no, no, I think no matter what we do, you know, that movie will probably never live up to what fans want it to be. Like, right. uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it'd be good to talk to you, Verno, find out a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, let's and get him on the hot seat. Yeah, so obviously the first time you came on, it was with two other guests and it was a lot to cover. So we didn't get to grill you like we normally grill our guests <laughs> on the first occasion. Uh, so what, what, what I always start with is uh, pretty much our opening question. What, what's your secret origin? So what I mean by that is how did you discover comics and pop culture and what got you in on the ground? It's weird because like, Obviously, there's like two phases, maybe like three or four phases of my pop culture nerdiness. But really, it was like when I was a kid, it was the same as most 37 year old men. It was the X-Men, the animated mm -hmm. series, Batman, the animated series, all, all of those things. And I used to read X-Men comics back in the day. I was like obsessed with them and obsessed with the show. And then, you know, another just similar thing that you hear from a lot of people. High school happened. Partying. Mm -hmm. Life happened. And I kind of fell out of the pop culture game for a long time. You know, I would just, you know, watch movies and stuff like that. But then I started reading, like, picking up trades here and there, like Batman trades a lot. I was kind of doing, like, your greatest <clears throat> hits. Batman year one, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But the real thing that, like, got me to where I am right now, hosting a, a comic book podcast, is the, uh, the Force Awakens movie. Honestly, that really came, the, the trailer for that came out. And I'd never really been into Star Wars. And I was like, hmm, I, I want to get into this. I want to catch up on that and be a part of, you know, the new movie when it comes out. And that started like a crazy obsession with Star Wars. And that, that's really where it began for me. And the real big thing, I got them right here. This Funko Pop changed my life. <laughs> right here. It was one of these. I got this Funko Pop. I'd never been a toy collector at all. And then I just, I needed to get more toys. And then like, well, I can't be a poser. I need to have my nerd knowledge back up my toy collection. And those two <laughs> things started fueling each other. I was just buying Star Wars pops. And then I'm like, hmm, that Iron Man pop looks pretty cool. <laughs> so then I had to start watching the movies. So I wasn't a poser. That really is what it is. Eventually, after years of that, I got more in, uh, more obsessed with the actual stories and the comics and the movies than I was the toys. Like, I got not really collect toys that much anymore. I, I more collect uh, hardcover uh comic books and stuff like that so it was it was really star wars it was like my gateway drug into <laughs> get your gateway culture. drug into pop culture <laughs> right which is i'm sure that's that's not a 
a rare story. And the other one, the other big thing that kind of really sent me down like the comic book path was my first X-Men omnibus, like the old Claremont, the, uh, the introduction to Wolverine and Storm and Colossus and Nightcrawler and all those characters like from the 70s knowing that you could just pick up this one book and read all the origins to those characters. Like I didn't know that that existed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that reading that and enjoying that so much really got me into like comics the way I am today for sure. And that was only like a few years ago, like three and a half years ago. Uh, yeah, well, judging by the stuff behind you, you've come a long way. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've slowed down on all this craziness for sure. Like big time. I, I look back on it. I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? You know what I mean? Like I was out of control. For I, mean, real. I, mean, I mean, those things individually are like, you know, hundred dollars or something like that. So yeah. I like, wish. If not more. Like, yeah, a lot more. more. like yeah. they're like, yeah. they're like two, two fifty a piece. But the cool thing about oh, wow. it is I've sold a, well, the big thing is sideshow.com. They allow what are they like payment plans i swear like that's the big thing is you can just you know chip away at them but they hold their value yeah for those Mm -hmm. just listening on the podcast what i have behind me are like one six scale hot toy collectibles but like i can't tell you how many i've got for like two to 250 that i sold for like four to 500 bucks like they really yeah they can go up in value and they don't usually go down in value too much though though they do for sure but but you can get your money back on them you can have them for a while and then sell them and it's like you rented them for low low amounts of money (laughs) i've heard that about figures and collectibles that they are not for children at all they are like a purely an adults game so Mm um i'll be honest i've not made a jump into those type of things that i look at them and every time i go into forbidden planet in london I'm like, oh, I'd love to get them. But I just like, <laughs> once, the thing is, I can imagine it, once you get one, you want to get more than one. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's probably like right. getting tattoos, I imagine. So, well, it's, <laughs> it's, you know, it depends on how, like, how OCD you are. Like, oh, if, you get, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, if you get Darth oh, Vader, yeah. do you need a Stormtrooper with him? Yeah, like, yeah, turn, yeah. Turns yeah. out I do. Yes, you do, <laughs> you know? is the answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, quick question about Pops. Like, bobblehead or non-bobblehead, do you have a preference? Oh, well, what they do or what I mostly collected Star Wars and Marvel mm-hmm. and the Star Wars are all bobbleheads. All the Marvel and, ones I have are bobbleheads and, and I hate them. Oh, they are. Hmm. Maybe I'm thinking yeah. of something different. There was certain ones yeah. that aren't bobbleheads, but I would always take this one. So I don't really collect. I sold like a whole room full of pops a few years ago and I bought a good chunk of this collection behind me. Nice. But I, but I would always take and jam like paper towels in there so that they didn't bobble. Oh, I, can't okay. even, I can't even really remember the reason why I did that. Now, I would think it was just so that they would be sitting the way that I wanted them to be. But yeah. the other question is to leave them in the box or open them. And I opened them all. I'd always take them out of the box. I'm half and yeah, half. Okay. Half of mine are out of the box and the other half aren't. So, right, right. Well, actually, anything that is not a bobblehead is out of the box. All the bobbleheads are still in the box. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, on your podcast, um, you talk about your local comic shop and i just sort of wonder like about the industry sorry the comic community in illinois so obviously it's where you are like do you get involved in it much or is it literally just going to the comic shop picking them up and leaving yeah i mean my comic shop there's not like a a lot of people there you know what i mean no there's like almost never any people there it's usually just me so i mean i go in there I'm Does he close one. it just for you? Is it like royalty survived? <laughs> no, he, he opens at like 2 p.m. Not like he opens at 2 p.m. 
wow. on Tuesday. So I sit around and I wait to go get the books. I don't know what he, I don't know why he waits so long to open, but I don't know. I'll just go ahead and say he hooks me up with the Marvel books a day early. So I'm super appreciative of, of that, but it is kind of a disappointing thing that there's not really like a, you know, like people hanging out in there talking about comics. We do a little bit like the owner, Steve, and maybe there's another guy in there helping him that we'll chat a little bit. But for me, for the most part, for what I do or because of what I do, where I pick up 10 to 15 to 17 books on Tuesday, I go home, I read them all. Then I do the reviews that night. I edit it and I put it up that night. I don't have time to sit and talk with them. I'm not trying to talk. With them. I, I got to go. I got a long I got day. shit to do, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's quite a nice segue into actually talking about your podcast. So I know originally uh, when you started the podcast, you were just X-Men. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd just love to hear about really your origin. How did you get into starting podcasts? And um, obviously you had a love for X-Men, but yeah, you, right. you tell us. It's funny, like I, did, I was enjoying a lot of podcasts, you know, just like popular podcasts, like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And me and a friend of mine, really, there's a podcast called The Danger Room. yeah it's it's an x-men podcast they started forever ago and they started at x-men number one 1963 and they just do episode or issue by issue panel by panel page by page just going through and talking about it Mm -hmm. and i was enjoying that i was reading through the claremont era and enjoying that and i was talking to my buddy all we were doing is talking about house of x constantly house of x powers of town the jonathan hickman uh x-men miniseries excuse me and I talked him him into doing an episode with me on the way to another comic shop that we have. That's like 45 minutes away. So the first episode that we ever did together was on a recorder in the car on the way there. And like, we're just <laughs> that is he, dedication. It was, no, it was great. It was like, I don't know. It was something about it. Like we got done and we got out of the car. I'm like, I don't know about you, but like, that was the most fun I've ever had in my life. Like I just was like, Oh, this is what I should be doing. <laughs> like, this is a lot of fun. And it, it, it kind of, I don't know. It's weird. I don't want it's the show then was so different to what we do now. Like I, we're still having fun, still doing a lot of cool stuff in a lot of ways. It's probably way better, but what we were doing then when there was nobody listening was like going through the book and acting stuff out and reading stuff and doing voices. <laughs> and like, I don't know, just like not ever since we stuck. Cause he's my original partner. He didn't want to do it anymore after a little bit. And it's never, I don't know. It's weird to do that with someone that I don't know online. Mm-hmm. We've never, I've never had someone that's like, Hey, let's go through this book and like, just break it down in, in that same exact way. So it's interesting to go back and hear those old, in some ways, those are like some of the best podcasts I ever did was like the first, like few, <laughs> like they were awesome. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, you can't get away without giving us some kind of voice. Like who's, who's oh, voice was, <laughs> who was your favorite to voice? My vo- definitely the favorite was, uh, what they did with sinister it's probably some people would be offended but i always i think he's a little bit i think they made sinister into like a sassy sinister oh so it, was, it was more of that guy it was, we were reading a lot of lines of him it was, just, it was silly shit and i was doing russian accents and all of this stuff and you know what i mean i don't know i look back at it down could you do a good rogue no i'll just, I'll just say no without, without even a, an attempt oh. last night what were we doing we were doing a talking about grant morrison so you'd know a little bit better over there, like a Scottish accent. It's like, you tell me if I'm doing it way off or is it like bullshit the way I'm doing it? 
Is that Scottish? You actually, Australia? you actually sound probably better than I would. I'll be honest. No, I'm, it's good. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. At, I'm terrible at impressions or or even accents. But that actually was better than I would imagine. Robbie uh, and I, yeah. we were we were going back and forth with our Grant Morrison impersonations last night on an, on an episode. Rob, Robbie from uh, Pop Culture Philosophers. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, we've heard we've heard of that guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was that for? Was that for your one that drops on Sunday? Yep. Yep, be coming out on Sunday, this Sunday, November something. The same as this. I thought I knew. I don't know why I thought I knew, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, the 21st. Yeah. Uh, this will also be coming out on Sunday. So, nice, um, perfect. What, what, what made you shift, though, from X-Men to uh, just doing what you do now? You cover lots, lots, of, lots of stuff now. Like, well, it's you know, funny because, like, Marvel. yeah, one of the reasons, well, first of all, I wasn't reading other comic books, and... It was probably a combination of the X-Men books actually getting worse in quality, like dipping <laughs> off. Like my passion wasn't there. Like I didn't mm-hmm. want to do a whole episode dedicated to X-Force number eight. You know what I mean? Just some random. <laughs> you know, that, that's what we were doing at the time. And then the other thing was I started reading a lot more comics and I'm like, oh, like a lot of these comics are significantly better than these other comics we're talking about. Let's... I've been duped all this time. <laughs> but, but what's tricky now, though, because it was easy you know what I mean? The, the more niche your podcast is, the easier it is to get people in, but it gets, it's harder to stay passionate about one very niche subject, mm-hmm. but now it's harder. Cause I'm reading, as I said, like 15 books a week. And even people that are way into comic books, they're not reading a good chunk of that stuff. So it's kind of tricky to like, to find, to talk about cool stuff without it getting, you know, you getting sick of it, but still having an audience there that is also following along. Right. No, I can I can say it like um there's so many comics like Marvel, DC, Boom, Image, whatever, you know, and even breaking it down like Vault Comics, Scale Comics, and like you know, Black Mask comics. And let's be honest, the average person just knows Marvel and DC. Like, right. And even when I get chatting to my friends, they're like, Are oh, you like all those weird comics that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> like, thanks. Right. Like so well, that's- that's what, why the last man was at one point but those are yeah. a lot of they're a lot of the best comments that's what i've found at least i tend to enjoy and almost everybody that i, that I talk to tends to enjoy the indie comics more than the big two for sure oh yeah yeah like I, what i love actually about indie comics is a lot of the time especially with collected like this uh compendium of why the last man here is 30 issues and the next compendium is coming out i think fairly soon and it's the other 30 issues and that's it I, a lot of the indies what i love is the start, the middle, and the end. Right. Like, you know, I, I mean, I know Marvel. It's not a hundred years of history it. behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. I know that with every time a creator changes, it's a new in speech marks jumping on point for that character, um, and you can pretty much normally walk in without that history. Right. But they will at some point reference things. Like, I mean, the whole of the Nick Spencer Spider-Man run was like his fanboy dream because he was the spider-man fan and and so much was referenced from like the 70s 80s and 90s and stuff like that i mean he he explained it as he went along but some people may not like that they may they may think they may think oh shit i wish i'd read all of this right you know well i mean and that's Um, kind of imagine i say this i've said this a handful of times but imagine like 50 years from now i mean imagine 100 years from now how difficult it is going to be to catch up on this stuff or even yeah. like, you know what I mean? It has gotten to where 
in in my experience for the most part you can jump on as someone that is fairly new to newer comics you can jump on uh when a new creative team takes over just like what you're saying but you are missing a lot like for instance with the dawn of x and all those new x-men comics i realized right away it's like oh they don't really care how many of these people don't know what they're talking about they're just gonna (laughs) reference everything and you know what i mean it's hard for them to know when they're so in in the game they don't Mm -hmm. know what the people outside of it do and don't know it it seems to me at least but especially for the x line it was a lot i mean it's such a complicated history with the x-men more so than you know most like daredevil you can kind of you could actually sit there and read everything daredevil has ever come out like or all the daredevil runs in a year or two like good luck with the x-men there's so much you know oh yeah i'll be honest i have been trying to back issue x-men for the last sort of six 12 months because i uh you people may hear me say this a lot i used to collect a lot of comics i got married bought a house sold a lot of comics and then in the last sort of two years i decided actually the x-men spider-man 2 lots of comics i want to go back and get <clears throat> and i remember when i jumped on was actually grant morrison's x-men run mm-hmm. uh, which i absolutely loved me too and then i carried, carried on reading it for years but then i sold them all i've been slowly trying to go back and collect them and stuff like that but I realized how many I've missed and how many, how many different titles, like, you know, Extraordinary X-Men and all the rest of it. I'm like, it's a complicated line of books, the X-Men. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. at least Spider-Man is amazing Spider-Man, like you say, and Dead was Dead or I mean, even you can even probably you know, go and pick up the Batmans and they're probably easier than the X-Men run. So, right. Right. I, I, think, I think so. Yeah. hundred percent. So, um, yeah, recently you've made a jump from podcasting into YouTube as well. So, um, like, what made what made you make that jump? A, a big part of it, honestly, is is old Rock and Rob and just the community that I kind of found. It's a little bit trickier. There's no podcast with a chat where there's people like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, live chatting with a podcast, and just yeah. I kind of realized like, oh, this <clears> is <throat> like where everyone's at talking comics. They're doing it for podcasts, and there's a lot of great comics podcast but there's not really the community and really what uh fueled it was that i was looking for guests once i didn't have a partner i did the show by myself for like 60 episodes oh wow yeah and then i finally like because i'm not like super tech savvy and i was always a little bit intimidated by the idea of getting guests on and doing what we're doing right now you know what i mean it's it's easy once you figure it out but it was a little intimidating at first so that that was a big part of it it was honestly it was robbie it was Justin from No Good Comics and Gem Mint Collectibles, having the, them all on the show, Bueller and Bob from Everything Comics and Comics with Bueller. And pretty much every, after every show, they would be like, why don't you do this on YouTube too? And I was like, okay, you know what? I probably should be. And I'll just say it's it's went really well so far. Not super well, but it's went like there's a, it's a lot easier for episodes to kind of take off a little bit on YouTube. Like nothing goes viral mm-hmm. in podcasts. You don't finish a podcast episode and then afterwards, they offer you up, uh, you know, the, the most recent Geeks Unleashed episode. But they might yeah. do that if, you know, you watch my video, they might offer yours up next. You know, you can you can be discovered a little bit more easily on YouTube, it seems. I think a lot of people quite like the, the sort of format of YouTube and been able to see people's faces. We had a few comments like that at the <laughs> beginning. They were like, yeah. we, had, we had some comments go like when I was sort of telling feedback. A few people were like, so shame. Like, I think people that didn't understand podcasts, as like, you know, were saying, it's a shame we can't see your faces. I was like, 
right yeah it's a podcast <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but um and then but then I went, and then other people when I was telling them about it would be like oh are you guys on YouTube I'm like well the audio is so right. like, it's a so lot easier to explain like yeah I know exactly what you're saying you tell people I do a podcast depending on their age they're going to ask you what that is mm-hmm. if, they're, yeah. if they're if they're over 40 there's a good chance they don't know what you're talking about if you tell them, <laughs> You tell them YouTube and they get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think even whatever the age people, you know, 78-year-olds use YouTube because, like, everything's on YouTube. Like, you know, you want to build a bed? Go to YouTube. There'll be a video of it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, exactly. I do I do that. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I've just bought something from Ikea. YouTube. Like, so, <laughs> well, it's, it's um, a new development in the world, too. Doesn't it feel like just over the past couple of years, all of a sudden, I just realized, like, oh, I'm on YouTube all the time. It just kind of happened. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it became more of a place to go for your entertainment. Yeah, I, I think, like, so we've put up our last three episodes or four episodes uh, on YouTube, like the video, just like, so this will, obviously this will go up. Um, I, I we, we haven't really done much in the way of live. I think we only did one video live this year, but maybe we'll eventually make that jump. But mm-hmm. I'm, hope, I'm hoping that the putting the video and the uh, audio up at the same time via podcasting and YouTubing will allow just people to find us in the way that they prefer. So a bit like you said, you know. Giving them an um, option. Yeah. And also, like you say, chat, you know. So in our most recent episode, we did get a couple of comments on the bottom, which is quite nice. So, But like you said, you don't really get that on podcasting. Right. Well, I like it because you could be having a discussion and you'd be like, you know what? I'm not really sure. Was that this guy or was that that guy? Hey, you guys down in the chat or in the comments, let yeah. me know. You could actually ask them. And you oh, could do because they're with- happy to correct you, too. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like when you when you F up, like people mm-hmm. are more than happy to tell you, like you got that wrong. Cheers. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. like, I always love it if I post something like on Instagram or Facebook, like it doesn't happen often, but I get a message. Yeah, you made a typo. Thanks. Like, <laughs> I don't think I don't think I've ever made any kind of uh, post on any of the formats that didn't have a typo in it. <laughs> the worst when it comes to that. It's terrible. Uh, or um, <laughs> some sort of grammar area uh, error. Like I have to go back sometimes and amend my posts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, let me tell uh, you a quick, real quick horror story. I got in my car a couple of days ago, and I was going to a comic shop actually, and I was like, you know what? I haven't looked on the podcast portion of this. Let me just click on the most recent episode, make sure it's going up. Everything's fine. I click on it and I'm hearing <clears throat> me clearing my throat, do, 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 talking to myself. I put up the unedited audio, bro. Oh, and no. Bro, I've oh, done yes. that before. Oh, my God. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like tripping over words and I'm just like stopping and starting and saying stuff again. Because that's what I'll do if I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? If I mess something up, I'm like, <clears throat> I'll just say that again. But like you hear me doing that. Oh, my God. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever experienced in my life. I rushed so home. Down. I deleted so, it, man. And you go back up. Uh, I haven't put it back up. It's up on YouTube. Uh. <laughs> the, 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 the good version's up there. I need to put it back up. But yeah, it was it was horrendous. <laughs> I have totally done that before. And like, I don't even know what I was doing because I usually do the the audio editing. I uploaded everything, went on about my business. Mark starts texting me and he's like, hey, you uploaded the wrong version. And I was like, 
what do you mean? And he's like, you uploaded oh. the unedited version and you can hear us talking over the music and doing oh, this that's and doing great. that. I, no, like, I feel oh, better. I feel bad. better. <laughs> the, the, reason, the reason why I did it is because um, at the beginning, you can hear me yawning yeah. and going, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so, t- I'm so tired. Like, whatever. Like, I'm so tired to record or whatever it is. And I was like, like, oh, I try not to swear as much because I do swear. Like, And I'm like, F's sake. I'm like, like... I was like, of all the things, like, I'm just sorry, it, I'm sorry. It literally, it literally opened with me yawning. Yeah, like, and I was like, you can't have an episode open with someone yawning. Like, <laughs> so. Oh, oh that was yeah that, that oh, was that's uh, great that was uh, a bad time yeah no that happens to everyone <laughs> for yeah, sure I'll, yeah. i will be double checking from here on out that's for sure I, I oh, yeah. this is a nice, that was a nice segue into uh have you learned anything through podcasting on youtube and it doesn't have to be technology like learn anything about yourself you know oh i mean for sure deep and meaningful now i think <laughs> it's i mean i think a lot of people <laughs> like it makes you a better listener like, I, I mean, I, I know that I'm not a great listener, but I have to be a better listener because I'm inviting people on to talk to me. I better listen to what they're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it definitely opens you up to that. And it also, it just, it, in general, like being on the internet, it also, you, you're more thoughtful about what you're going to say. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, it makes you realize like, oh, maybe I, I shouldn't say that because that, that might piss people off. Well, hmm, then why would I say that? Why would I even think that? You know what I mean? Just it yeah, makes you yeah. evaluate your yourself in, in a way that you don't without it because of just, I don't know, because of public scrutiny. But you realize, like, oh, OK, maybe maybe that's not cool or this or that or whatever. You know, it makes you have a better read of the room, the world room. Oh, man, which... I wish more people could read a room. I really do. <laughs> right. I really, really, really do. <laughs> I think we, we've talked about that before. I think actually we had that conversation with Robbie on his channel where we were talking about a lot of comic book creators. Like I think they reach a certain level of fame and they decide they can tweet whatever they want. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to be a filter. Now, celebrities do it too. Um, but I guess because we're in the pop culture sort of comic related world, I guess we pick up on that. And I yeah, I think right. there's a lot of people that probably should maybe sit down and think, how will this be received? So, right. well, that is well, a very yeah. good question to ask before you yeah, start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I understand, like, I actually went to the pub before I came out and I was saying how it's very easy. I was the guy I went to the pub with, I was like, it's very easy to react, like, without thinking. Um, and a lot of people just go and react without thinking. That kind of is a a big default for a lot of people and i was saying to him like don't get me wrong we've all been there we've all reacted um but i said i actually think the best thing to do sometimes is if someone really upsets you is and i know this i'm not saying hold it inside but like but like forever and a day right. like but like sometimes if someone does really upset you actually sometimes the best thing to do is to not show anything to them Mm-hmm. um because my opinion is that probably bores them a hell of a lot more than you you blowing up right like, i mean moan about it later to your friends and stuff <laughs> like and have your rant but like i actually when i realized that like people get more people get in a way more annoyed by you not showing them so that and um and like, like you said though the filter thing i think it is again the perception you know like obviously we have people that listen to us or watch us you have to be careful what you say and respect people's um, 
thoughts and feelings as well. So right. Um, so but like the younger version of me would have said, <clears throat> would have leaned on the side of like, oh, let's just say something shocking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that's <laughs> well, who I was. But I didn't mm. have like people listening that would have been shocked by it, other than <laughs> other than friends of mine and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So, well, there's an audience out there for that, but right, I don't right, know, right. I don't it's know not, if you want that to be your audience. It's, like, not, like, it's not. And uh, what's his name? Is it Howard Stern, the shock DJ that you guys oh, have? Yeah. yeah, he seems like a, a terrible DJ, like for honest. So, um, but he's a shock DJ, so he kind of says what he wants and. There's people that love that. He's been on the air a long time. So. Right. I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. no, no. <laughs> um, okay. So 2021, it's been a long year. There's been a lot that's come out, Verno. Is there anything that you've read or watched this year that you feel people should go pick up or watch? I don't know. A TV show just popped in my head. I'll, I'll just say kind of my go-to. I'm going to be putting together like a best comic series of the year video sometime mm-hmm. in the next month or so. And spoiler alert, I have a hard time thinking that it won't be The Many Deaths of Layla Starr by Rom V. It's yeah, a, we need to read that. Yeah. It's an indie comic about life and death. It's uh, this, uh, the actual entity of death gets put, sent to Earth in human form, and she becomes mortal. And she's trying to stop this guy that's going to cure death. And it, it runs throughout this dude's life. And it's like, you see life, or you see death learning about life from becoming mortal and it's just it's really deep and it's just they nailed it there's there's very few series that end well we were talking about earlier that's one of the good things about indie comics that they end Mm -hmm. but even like even like tv shows and like there's so many things that they rarely end well and this just ended perfectly it's just five issues in and out beautiful art beautiful coloring amazing writing so yeah the many deaths of layla star out of boom studios probably the best thing i read all year all right. Yeah, no, that is something I'm keen to try and read before the year finishes. So we may, we may. There are still about three or four weeks left. Maybe we oh, will more homework. I can already feel it coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a quick read. It's a, it's a quick in and out like a robbery read for sure. <laughs> Just keep the car well, running. I think. Well, I think because um, I picked up uh, Swamp Thing um, because we, I, when I was on your show, uh, and I really enjoyed it. I don't think I've read anything by Ram V before other than something. So right. I enjoyed his style of writing. Um, he's definitely someone I would be interested in picking up more stuff for. So. For sure. He's got a brand new one out right now out of uh, Vault Studios called Radio Apocalypse. Issue number one just came out a couple of days ago. It was Robbie's pick of the week. It was great. It was brilliant. We talk about it on uh, this this coming up episode of The Cerebros. Yeah, I hadn't actually heard about that until I saw uh, Robbie's uh, rundown, actually. So I I don't know what to do, whether to grab it or to wait like for a trade. Right. So there's too many books. That's the trouble. There's too many books. Like, well, I'll, I'll just got, say I keep picking them up because it's kind of what I'm doing right now. But I don't know if it's what yeah. I'm going to be doing forever, because that's kind of what I've realized after being in the game for a couple of years now. You're probably better to trade weight for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. The biggest reason to be picking up singles is if you're into the collecting of the comics and you want to get that one, you want to get something's killing the children number one and have it when it gets popular and expensive. Other Mm -hmm. than that, like there's not too big of a reason, really. And this is coming from a guy that maybe shouldn't be saying this. There's not that big of a reason that you need to be reading new comics like with the day they come out. The, The industry is almost like telling you not to by the way that they price them. 
comparative oh. to the trade. Yeah, but the problem is if you wait too long, then books get canceled. And it's like, okay, but like, I, I really am the type of person that I don't want to spread this over six months. Like if it's right. a six issue run, I want to sit down and spend an hour and read all six issues at one time versus like, uh, I, I that, wish they could come up with a different way to do what what they do and do the distribution because it's just, it is so hard for someone who's not so familiar with how all of that stuff works, like with the pre-ordering right. and with all of that, like it just, they, they make it so hard to be a casual comic reader. Big time. Well, I'll tell you one of the biggest flaws in the system is that you need to order in order to get the second issue of something, you need to order it before the first issue comes out. If you yeah. want to guarantee it ahead of time. And it's like, how, why would you do that? Like that it's a flawed system that they yeah. have. And like, you know, as someone that's fairly new to it, it's glaring <laughs> like yeah. how, how, how bad it is. But I think trade waiting is really a lot of times the people, the creative teams, the writers are writing for the trade anyway. Mm -hmm. Like they don't do the classic, you know, you get your full story in this single issue with a little overarching narrative. Some people do it. They're doing it in Moon Knight right now, but still most comics I've found it. It's definitely better to just wait for the trade. Honestly, it's fun to collect. So I get that too. And I, I enjoy it, but I don't know. Financially, I think I would enjoy the trades even, even better. I prefer the <laughs> trades just because it's easier to keep those like on a bookshelf versus mm -hmm. having to put up with the floppies. Like, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's a one-time commitment. Like I, I can, I take an hour and I read everything. And if I like it, then I can go on to the next one. If I don't like it, then it was only an hour versus like six months of mm -hmm. time, like trying to get this, this story read, you know? Exactly. Just, just I agree. A personal thing. I don't know. Like, why can't we do something where it's like, okay, you guys, you have a six month contract. Like we're giving you six issues. We're not going to cancel before six issues so that people have time to see like, is this going to gain any traction after all six issues come out? Like once we get this collected, is this mm -hmm. the collected going to do better than the single issues did? Like there's, I just feel like there's a lot of different variables because no, nowadays, like I get, mo if we're doing just single issues, which we, we kind of got away from this year, but like when we were just doing single issues, like I would get all of those digital. Cause it's like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, sure. When we, when we first started our podcast, we were a bit, I think we were just finding our feet a bit like you with the yeah. X-Men. We were kind of covering a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And then we've kind of streamlined it a bit more now. And we have said on our weekly podcast, we're now not covering single issues. Cause like, it, it's like picking up the first chapter of a book. Like, you know, it doesn't give you a real taste for it. I'd rather do a whole episode where we just cover like, I don't know, the many desolated star, all five issues in right. one podcast. Mm -hmm. Right, like, for sure. The, yeah, so, I mean, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago where we covered, um, I mean, obviously we didn't go into the detail but of every issue, but we covered, we discussed the first, what, the only 20 issues of uh, Something's Killing the Children. Mm -hmm. and, but it was so great that week, me and Jasmine, we just read those, uh, went into the episode, and it was great to be able to talk about it as a whole narrative structure yeah. rather than just reading the first issue. So, it makes for a better conversation too because you just yeah. have so much more to chew on. Right, and I think that's the perfect example because individual issues of Something's Killing the Children when you're waiting a month for them and you get them and there's, it's, it's, it's an art heavy book. There's not yes. a whole hell of a lot of dialogue. You can just blast right through them yeah. and it can leave you a little bit unsatisfied. It's just like uh, Gideon falls was another brilliant, brilliant run where the single issues sometimes would just be too quick. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people are writing for the trade. I'd be curious to know, like 
the amount of people that are waiting for the trade and the mm. amount of people that are buying the singles like what's what's greater i really don't know maybe something i should ask uh robbie because he's a he works at a comic shop I uh, think they're going to have to get to the to what webtoons are doing, and a lot of the webtoon, like no matter what kind of webtoon platform you're on, they do a lot of them do like weekly. So everything mm. is released weekly. Now some sites you pay a monthly fee, some sites you pay per episode, but like they don't make you wait a month to get the next update. So even if the update is fairly short, you don't feel as bad because it's like well i only have to wait a week and then i'll get the next update now of course i know that that puts more pressure on the artist and that kind of thing right. but like i think that that format and it could just be because you know nowadays we're in this instant gratification kind of world i really just think that the comics model the way that it is now is outdated and it oh, is yeah. unfriendly to casual people like if i fall behind on a webtoon like i can literally sit on the couch on a saturday and spend like a couple hours catching up on five or six that I'm like a month or two behind on because I can read like four episodes at one time. Right. This is one like this. I love what they're doing right here. Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, two creators that have they've paid their dues. They've mm -hmm. made names for themselves. So now they can step outside of the system. They're writing these and they come out. It's like like five issues. They're, they're twenty four dollars a piece, actually, which is pretty expensive, but they're nice quality. And it's, they're coming out like every four months or so yeah. where you're getting a whole story in this and it's a series about this dude, you know, I won't got get into it, but I like that. It's, it's a, it's a way that they're kind of like setting a path for other people. Mm -hmm. But then again, like I said, you kind of already have to have made a name for yourself for that to even be a viable option. Yeah. You know? I think that's one of the reasons that I loved firepower so much when firepower first came out, firepower released in a trade immediately. And then mm -hmm. it went into like, the single issues and it was just like you get so you actually have a chance to read something that is long enough to determine whether or not you actually want to keep going so right. having read the trade of firepower first definitely made me know like okay this sucked like i hate waiting on the monthlies but like i love this story so much that that is one of the books that i actually do keep up with like, right. Th that was unique. That was. And again, that's Robert Kirkman. Mm -hmm. he, Big name. He's yeah. able to do stuff like that because he can. It's a huge part of what it is, is it takes so long to draw these things. Yes. That he probably had the money to set it up and pay. He could take the risk to have to pay that artist to do the whole book and right. then put it out. Yeah, I know. It's a luxury. Right. But I think like we, we really need to take another look at this model because it. Like you kind of, I, I want to be able to like recommend these kinds of things to people that are again, casual readers, because mm -hmm. if people can pick up like a novel and read like a one-off novel and really enjoy it, like there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to like, oh, there's this comic that, you know, it's, it was six issues, but it's all collected and just read this one book and, and you're good versus like, oh, by the way, once mm -hmm. a month, every Wednesday, you got to go pick up this book, <laughs> right. this comic shop, you know, like, right. Just, and, and if you're not there on time, it might be gone. It's going to be gone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by the way, the, the people at the comic shop, if you're not a normal person that comes there, they might look at you weird. Yes. You know what I mean? It's just that <laughs> yeah. when you're not yeah. used to going to comic shops, it's an awkward, like intimidating thing. Like yeah. I'm, I'm over it now, but it was, there was a long time when I was just getting going where, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm in my thirties, but I still felt awkward, like going into this place. It's like, it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> environment. I do know what you mean though. Like a comic shop. Like I, I've been, honest, I hate being in a comic shop where there's the guy who's at the till, who's just chatting the ass off the guy behind the till. And I'm like, look, man, I just, 
want to buy my stuff and go. Right. Like, but I don't mind chatting to the guy behind the till too. Right. But like, so I, like, if there's not myself, a line behind you. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. But I'm respectful. So if I'll chat to him, but I, if I see other people are in the store, I will say, look, man, I'll let you serve the customers. Like, because I equally, I hate being that customer to stand there. Like, yeah, man, like when you're ready, like, you know, at some point I'd like to just buy and leave. No, I, I actually don't. Um, so there is a store near me. Um, but I don't buy my regular comics from them. I actually get mine delivered uh, from another comic shop. And for a lot of the reasons that you said, like, you know how you said you have to pre-order issues one and two and stuff like that. Uh, the comic shop I order from, so, well, I've, I've, we've had them on here, right? Uh, uh, what's his, um, Bill from um, Ace Comics. So Ace Comics is a small chain in, in England. And uh yeah, Biff. Sorry, Biff. Yeah, Biff. And uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, but what I like is if I order issue one of something and I don't like it, I don't need to carry on. Like they don't, they don't get a stick up their butt about ordering multiple issues in advance. So I'll just, uh, it's quite cool. They've got an online platform. I just go in and cancel off issue the next issue if I don't want it, and nothing said. Like that's it. It's fine. So right. And they're, they're pretty cool. They're pretty, they're like pretty laid back. I just I sometimes exchange emails with them if I want something or whatever. And, and like for me, it works actually really well. And what I like is I'm sitting here, the doorbell goes to go and get my comics. The only thing that is like if I'm bothered about reading them on a Wednesday, which I'm not, uh, they don't, I don't get them Wednesday, but I'll get them right. Friday, or Friday or Saturday. So, and which is absolutely fine for me. But I think, um, We've grilled you enough, Verno. <laughs> it'll be good to talk about why the last man season one. So I will hand over to Jasmine to kick things off. You took our only chance at bringing the world back, and you hid him away. I had no choice. He could have been killed. We're already a target. Powers. The selfishness. I did what I did to protect you, all of you. The future of the human race depends on his survival, and you sent him out there with one person. All right, so Why the Last Man, season one, FX on Hulu. Uh, it is based on Why the Last Man by Brian K. Bond and Pia Guerra. It was developed for TV by Eliza Clark. It stars Ben Schnetz Schnetzer? Ben Schnetzer, <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Uh, he plays York. We've got Diane Lane as Jennifer, Olivia Thrillby as Hero. Ashley Romans is 355. Uh, Amber Tamblin as Kimberly Cunningham. Marin Ireland as Nora. Diane Bang as Allison Mann, Elliot Fletcher as Sam, and Juliana Canfield as Beth. Uh, the show consisted of 10 episodes with the first debuting on the 13th of September and the final episode came out the 1st of November. Um, I just want to say it's been in development hell, uh, this series, for, for, I don't know, 10 or 20 years. I can't remember how long the comic came out now, like 20 years 2002. ago. 2002. Uh, there's been, yeah, 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 so there's been like talk of this coming out in films and TV forever and a day. Mm -hmm. And then out of nowhere, suddenly I think a trailer dropped and I was like, wow. I was like, finally, it's arrived. <laughs> well, it's arriving. Uh, and then, and then mid, I, I, do you know what? I went to put Why the Last Man aside. I've seen TV um, distributors doing this a lot. They'll cancel something halfway through. Um, yeah. And they filmed all the episodes, but they just announced, they put out an announcement that it's cancelled. I actually think that's out of order and disrespectful for the people that are involved in the show. Like, I think that you should at least wait 
for all the episodes to come out before any announcement like that comes out. Because like I remember me and Verno, we both did the same thing. We were watching it weekly. Then the cancellation came out, and I am like we both stopped watching it, like because mm-hmm. because um, it was like, well, what's the point? But and I remember when me and Jasmine were having a conversation about should we cover this or not still, and I'm like, no, nah, let's stick to our guns. We were we'd always planned to cover do an episode for Why the Last Man, so let's do it anyway. Um, but I do think it is isn't a nice thing that the studios do. I I, I don't know whether their hand was forced, whether there was any sort of well. The rumor is that the contracts were coming up and Hulu could not get their finances in order to determine whether or not they wanted to pay extensions for the contracts. So Hulu let everything, they just let it all go. Yeah, so it was cancelled not due to numbers, actually. I think so apparently they're good numbers, but it was cancelled purely down to um, budgetary reasons. So Which, um, how? Like, I'm sure the helicopter crash was like your biggest set piece. Like, right. what what, what budget are you running? Like, there's, I, a, there's a lot of people. That's one thing. There's well, a that, lot that is true. of actors and actresses. Yeah. And that, that monkey's all CG, so that's not cheap. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's true. That's true, too. Yeah, that, they didn't have a real monkey at all. So I did wild? not know that. I did not I, know that. I just heard it recently, and I was like, really? Really, yeah, the no, monkey that. is all CGI. Right. Yeah. yeah. They Holy shit! <laughs> See that—that's the whole freaking budget right there. Right. <laughs> no, they—they they didn't. Um, they didn't bother to get a, a, a real monkey. So um, no. <laughs> no. No, there's no, real, there's no real monkey. They should have got the monkey from Friends if he's still around. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what's it? What's it? Um, so the basic like summary of. Yeah the series uh it, there are quite a few differences to me for and i've only read the first 10 issues of why yeah, yeah, but it, it feels really different but summary of the series is we are in you know all over actually we are going through people's everyday lives and then all of a sudden literally like animals start dying so it's like the whole first episode is basically like the lead up to this big event right so we mm. see like dead rats, dead deer, dead dogs, like all kinds of like small dead animals. And they just kind of keep getting interspersed. And then eventually we get to the end of the episode and all men die. Mm. Um, it's very, very Game of Thrones, Valor Morghulis. But um, so all the men die. And it's just like this, this big tragic thing. No one has any clue what's happening. No one can explain anything. Basically, all the world's economies are immediately just like shut down. Everything is in chaos. And we kind of don't get like the first days of the apocalypse that has befallen. And we kind of move ahead to a few weeks later where we got some governments back up and running, uh, but we still got problems with, you know, how do we house people? How do we keep people warm? How do we feed people? There's no power. We got to get power back online. So a lot of the series is kind of like, now that we're here, how do we take what we have left and make it work? Um, but also, let me just tell you, man, the people in this series are really fucked up. Like <laughs> the, the main characters are just a mess, all of them. Like it's this very dysfunctional family. The sister kills a boyfriend who's not even really her boyfriend because he's married with a kid. Anyway, like the the God, the brother, you want to talk about a guy who doesn't have his shit together. Like Yorick is a real mess in this one. Um, and it's basically just like 
surviving this because he survives him and his monkey so they are the only two men that we see um other than transgender characters which i thought was a really interesting twist because they don't Mm. really talk about like it's mentioned in at least again in the first 10 issues of the of the series it's mentioned uh people being transgender but it is not really like a big focal point so to actually have like transgender characters in the series i thought that was a really interesting kind of take because it gives an extra layer of like you're a man it's like well uh, now yes (laughs) but (laughs) but i i was not right like um so but this the series is kind of it's political it's heavy it's uh it's really dark and it just kind of gets progressively darker as we go on we run into factions it starts to feel very much like the walking dead there is uh, yeah. a lot of meandering mm-hmm. it's a lot of like no don't talk to those people no we can't let you into our group because we've already got everything situated um so it's it's very similar in the fact it just like this brings out the worst in humanity even though it's only women left um so it's just kind of a really interesting take on the world has essentially ended there are no men left and when the women die out like then then what happens so it does ask a lot of questions it does not answer any of <laughs> the questions right. that this series raises uh, but that's that's basically it it's shit hits fan we got to get the power back on um but at the same time like we're being undermined everywhere from everyone so if i had to describe this series like it's it's chaos it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of chaos it's a lot of I don't really know who's in charge. Well, I think I'm in charge. Well, you shouldn't be in charge. Well, we should be in charge. And it's just like, who's in charge? So, somebody <laughs> needs to be in charge. I, I wish somebody would take the reins. Um, yeah. So basically it kind of, it's messy. It's it's messy. And I think they're trying to tell a very human story, but I, I don't think it comes off that well. Mm. That's my well, um, <laughs> Thank you for summarizing. And, um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, obviously, we'll just go around the virtual room and sort of summarize what our thoughts are on season one. So, start with our guest, Ferno. What's your summary or your, your thoughts on season one? I've got mixed thoughts. I think it's in a lot of ways, it's it's really good in a lot of ways, and then it it really just kind of loses me towards the end. It's a little longer mm. than I think it needs to be, and there's a little more fluff. But for the most part, I enjoy the story. Obviously, the premise is dope. It's a very interesting premise. The the way the politics of the whole thing are handled are interesting. I think there's a lot of really, really good characters, really well-developed characters, a lot of really good acting. But for me, like, I don't watch the TV shows like this. If this wasn't like a big deal comic book, I wouldn't be watching. I can't tell you the last television show that I watched that wasn't a Disney Plus thing. You know what I mean? That wasn't Star Wars or MCU. I just don't watch TV. So it's it's got a lot of those like Walking Dead tropes. Like you, you nailed it, Jazz. But the, the Walking Dead, if that had never come out, this would be cooler. The Walking Dead yeah. has kind of killed, ruined it for everything else. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. post apocalyptic stories in general were huge for a long time, and I love them. Like I'm really big into to any post apocalyptic thing. It's always I've talked about this before. There's something interesting about removing civilization from the story mm-hmm. where you don't have someone to call to get help mm-hmm. like lost yeah. was fun. like it's got a lot of the you know lost felt like that in a lot of ways obviously so it i think like my problem with the series kind of like the, the thing that i don't like is that 
the we've got like you said we've got all our different stories going on we're at the white house over here we're with mm-hmm. york and 355 then we're with hero mm-hmm. and sam and that that part of the story although there's a lot of aspects of that that i like they spend a lot of time on that part of the story and that's yeah. where it kind of loses me even though i like it I, I i think it's interesting for sure but it's just it's a little too much time spent there they leave york and 355 and the president and all that too often mm-hmm. for far for for too long for me and the, the other thing if i could just say like my complaint with the series and i think this is television shows in general is i don't often i don't buy the motivations for the characters to switch mm-hmm. like that's a tv show thing that you don't get in movies you don't start a movie off with a completely different character like they'll slowly change like tony stark perfect example iron man one mm-hmm. douchebag at the beginning at the end he's still a douchebag He's just altered a little bit. Yeah. In TV yeah. shows, you become the good guy, and then oh, we need a story to change, and now you're the good guy, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And th- yeah, those are yeah. the things like throughout it that don't really, I don't buy. Also, the like the world falling apart so quickly, like mm-hmm. the timetable is off. Like people shouldn't be. I was gonna say cutting their tits off, but I guess they don't do that in the show. But like they they go to the extremes a little too quick for me to buy. Yes. I don't know if you guys yes. felt the same way. Oh, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't. I didn't hate it. For sure. I enjoyed quite a bit of it. It just towards the end, it got a little bit like a, some eye rolly moments, you know? Yeah, yeah I am. Um, should let Jasmine go next. What's your summary? <laughs> summary on thoughts of season one. I uh, like Berno said this. It was too long. This was 10 episodes. Uh, this could have been six. Right. I mean, there, there was so much that they could have cut out of this series. And yeah. one of my biggest beefs with this was it was slow. It was slow. And it was not like the good kind of slow where it's like we're building tension and things are happening. And like I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm really excited to see what happens next. It was like we're walking down a dark hallway. <laughs> do we really need to be walking down a fucking dark hallway for five minutes? I don't think we do. Like it the the pacing is is terrible in this series Mm. by the time i got to the end of the second episode i had texted mark and i was like oh my god i got eight more episodes to go like this is this is really gonna be a slog man um so the the pacing immediately put me off with with the series uh i also one of the things that they kind of didn't correct from the books is like they they kind of flesh out hero's story a bit, uh, but it's still like the, the the problem with this series is you have main characters and and you know of course we have villains right. You're supposed to not like the villains like that's that's a sign of a good villain like when every time uh, Kimberly was on screen I was like oh I don't like you uh, at all at all I don't like you. But that's her job. Well, like, she's yeah, you're the not villain. supposed to like her. Yeah, you're not supposed to like the <laughs> villains, but you are supposed to like the main characters. And that was the problem with both Hero and Yorick. They were shitty right. people. I mean, Yorick proposing to his girlfriend when it's supposed to be her time to go off to college and do her intern, like, do her her thing and her time to shine. And he's like, oh, this is the perfect moment to propose. And it's like, no, that is a terrible moment to propose. Like, you're imposing on her shine. Like, what the fuck yeah. is wrong with you? Right. He's a terrible character. He's whiny he is entitled it's just like no matter what situation he's in even when you take him away from 
you know, roam in the streets of New York City, or you take him away from the Pentagon where he has finally reunited with his mother. Like, it doesn't matter where you put him. He's still a terrible character. And like, uh, I think it was the third or fourth episode. It was fourth episode, I think, where uh, him and 355 are like camping and, you know, they're trying to get to uh, Boston to get to Dr. Mann. And finally 355 is like you entitled asshole like you you really just think that everything is about you and that you know and it's just like he he was hard to like uh hero was even harder to like because it was like i don't understand your motivations at all like you you kill your boyfriend at the very beginning and then you have the gall to feel guilty about it like no you like you killed him like you guys were fighting and you killed him and then like the way that she just kind of changes the way she mistreats sam it's just like i don't i don't understand what you're doing here like i just felt like the main characters that you're supposed to grow attached to you can't get any connection to these people because they're just as bad as the villains so a series like this can only work to me if there is that sort of like now, if you were blurring the lines to where it's like the good guys sometimes do bad things, that's a different kind of effect. But it's like, mm-hmm. no, these good guys haven't done any redeeming anything. Like he, he like the, the only good thing Hero did was not kill her brother at the very end of the series. Like <laughs> that's that was like your one good deed. Oh, I just couldn't get into the characters. And you can make them likable without them being good. Like, just I'll yes. use Tony Stark again. Like, I still like Tony Stark, but he was a douchebag, but he yeah. was likable. Yes. Because he, I mean, it's Robert Downey Jr. with that charisma. Like, it's, right. it's, it's the reason why he makes so much money. Yeah. It's not the easiest thing to make a an unlikable character still likable. Yeah. So there, it was a difficult task, but I agree 100%. Yeah. I, I mean, you can look at like Deadpool. Deadpool's a prick, but everybody right. loves Deadpool. Right. Like, He's he's likable in spite of himself, but these characters like it's just it, it, it's almost like there's no one to root for uh, because I mean you're pulling for the CGI monkey if that's the case right like <laughs> right. I was gonna say I I you know the Tony Stark uh, comparison I, I said that last week in Eternals I forgot the name of the character but the um, the guy who was the Bollywood actor um even though he was a jerk Kingo. I yeah, yeah i i lo- i loved him i thought he was brilliant he had the he had the charisma i mean he was selfish but i i still loved it i was yeah. like he kind of for me like kind of brought everyone together initially i know he went off but initially right. his humor and kind of charm for me i felt was one of the ingredients that kind of brought those people together um i i can see what you're saying about the characters there's a lot of in the tv show of why the last man there's a lot of people just fighting for their own selves there's not over there's no united front and um so i know like you know we'll do comparisons in a bit but yorick's tv self versus the comic self there is obviously similarities mm-hmm. but i can't, but the whole you know you mentioned the beth engagement thing the way it was done in the comic books, I mean, I still think it was weird how we did it in the comic, but I think it was more natural in the comics versus how it was done in the TV series. So, yes. mm-hmm. he, I mean, um, it was completely forced, but it was forced from his selfish like point of view yeah. versus not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right. so my sum- summary of it is 
I, I agree. I think this was too long. I think 10 episodes, I, I actually thought to myself, I would have been happy with eight. I mean, six, you know, but I, I, I think would have been a much better number. I think they could have definitely pruned a lot from this. I don't think we needed the flashbacks like of the character Roxanne, for instance, to get to see her getting grilled by her boss. I don't think we needed all of that stuff. Um, I mean, I can see why they did it because they wanted to mm-hmm. give some sort of mystery about her, um, which eventually is it Nora used against her. But anyway, so I, I think the TV show was a bit too long. I, there was a lot I did like about it. They did pull a good chunks of it from the book. But they also made some huge liberties from the source material. Initially, I allowed it as I was watching it because I thought, well, maybe they were discussing adapting it and what would fit, mm-hmm. especially in the current climate. I think, like you said, um, in the comic, there was sort of mentions of transgender um, people in the book. But I don't think, they, from memory, I don't think they ever showed it. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, in this book, set in 2021, where... We, we are seeing that more, you know, they, they did they did use that well. Um, so I think overall, I liked the show, but there was a lot of problems and I'll, I'll go through, you know, as we go through it, what the problems were, but- um, I would agree. I think of- it was just like, I like the message that you're trying to, I understand that you're trying to do an entire series on gender politics. And I can appreciate you trying to take that big chunk of something and make it into something that's palatable for people, but it, it gets so lost in, in everything else that this show was trying to do that it's almost like, I can't, I can't pick apart where you're trying to go with this story because mm-hmm. it just gets to the point where at some point, like everybody is at everybody else's throat. And it's like, I don't even know who to throw my hat in with. Like, I mean, do I, do I want to be on the side of Kimberly and her conservative people that think that they deserve these seats because their husbands died? Or do I, am I with the president who thinks that, nope, the line of succession says this and I am in charge. Like, I don't know who to root for because it's, it's, everything is so muddled. I, I just, I feel like they, they bit off a really big chunk and, and they just could not swallow it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good little segue then to who actually from I'm I'm interested to hear Jasmine's sing, but like favorite do you do you have a favorite character Verno in this in this tale? I do. Don't say the monkey. The monkey's not allowed to be used. <laughs> oh, let me think of a new one then. Oh my, no. <laughs> Mine is the the president. It's the the mom for okay. Diane Lane. Is it is that the right actress? Yeah, 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 Diane. She's incredible. Love She's gorgeous. Her. He's like, what was she in her 50s or 60s? She's still gorgeous. She's very presidential. Like immediately mm-hmm. you buy her as the president. Mm-hmm. And I think she's she's a fantastic actress. So those are some of my favorite bits in the series, especially early on. Mm-hmm. That gets wonky and weird as it goes. But I, I like the drama going on at the White House and the struggle for power. So she she is, I think, the most out of all of them. She's the most likable. And that's. I mean, look at who she is. She's a famous actress for a reason. She's yeah. got that that famous actress charisma that you need to to be likable in this type of a nasty story. But to me, she was definitely my favorite for sure. Mm-hmm. Did you ever? I was to say, by the way, like with Diane Lane, she probably is the most experienced from yeah. from my knowledge actress, mm-hmm. um, actor and actress in this TV She's series. She's Martha, so. for crying out loud. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, 
Why, how do you know that name? <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> it was the most ridiculous plot twist in all of film creation. Uh, anyway, uh, Jasmine, do you, other than the monkey, do you have a favorite? Yeah, of course. Character? 355. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. She Her was my too. favorite yeah. because she was such an unknown. Like, yeah are you are you good are you bad i don't know i can't tell you totally murdered those pilots i don't give a shit what nobody else says we all know that you killed those oh pilots. yeah like, she, def- she definitely she definitely yeah. killed those pilots. i i like 355 because 355 is is an unknown quantity like the people that she's trying to meet up with like the culpa ring like are they good are they bad i don't know um so she kind of has the most mystery about her um but yeah, she's she's my favorite, for sure. Mm. Uh, I I like three five five, and I or we talk about the cliffhangers, but I feel like there was definitely more that was going to come out about yeah. her. Um, yeah. But my favorite character was Nora Brady. I okay. I I think I I initially was like, why have they created this new character? Like, but it was it was a good twist actually that she wasn't a new character. I feel like she was the most sympathetic character. Like, it was really easy to kind of understand all of her motivations. Yeah, she was redhead. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, the one at the end that killed killed Roxanne. So, I'll be honest with you, I completely forgot the name. So I remembered the Amazons. Oh yeah, Victoria. Was her yeah, name. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. So at the end, Nora kills Roxanne and says, I'm Victoria. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I was like, actually, like, and, I, and then I suddenly realized that I'd forgotten the name of the leader of the Amazons. I was like, actually, Victoria was the name of the leader of the Amazons. Mm-hmm. And like, for, I, for the whole time, I was just watching it, assuming Roxanne was from the comics. And I'd completely forgotten, even though we read the first 10 issues, like, I don't know six weeks ago or something i'd completely like lost track on who the leader of the amazons was and i was like oh that's a cool twist hmm. and i mean so obviously in the comics victoria dies at the end of issue 10 mm-hmm. um gets killed by hero i believe so i was expecting something similar to that with that big confrontation not not for them all to go back to the swimming pool and where 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 um nora sort of sort of stands up for herself it wasn't unexpected We've been seeing this from her, like throughout the 10 episodes. So I know, like Verna, you said about how characters suddenly change. I think this over the 10 episodes, Victoria, Nora, we got to see her journey throughout the 10 episodes, which mm-hmm. I quite liked. I liked seeing her go from being the president's sort of aide, going to real, I don't know, like just not being able to fend for herself, a real struggle, support, yeah. uh, leaning mm-hmm. on everybody. And then when she realized that she was going to be out in the gutter again, she suddenly was like, I've got to do something about this. I'm not leaving here because of my daughter and stuff like that. And she had sort of this moment where she managed to start to bring some of her skills from being back in the White House, but using them for herself rather than support somebody Mm -hmm. Um, and, and sort of bonding with Roxanne. But I think ultimately she had a plan to somehow take leadership because she had all these rules when she put them to Roxanne and when she was like losing it at Roxanne by the pool I was like that girl's gonna get it like I was like <laughs> no like, like I, thought, I thought they should stand up and when she pulled the trigger and said oh my name is Victoria I did think okay so they killed her off in the comics at issue 10 
So they've obviously sat back and had a conversation about actually this would be a good villain to keep around. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that's why Roxanne probably got created to be the leader of the Amazons to allow Victoria to become the leader because they probably still wanted to have that big moment at the um, town with all the women from the prison. Mm-hmm. But So I assume that they still wanted to end with that and therefore they were like, okay, well, let's, you know, I, I imagine in the writer's room, they were kind of like, well, we kind of need a villain to die in the final episode. So I assume that's why Roxanne got created. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I think, I think um, she did a really good job. And to be honest, I, when I was watching it, I loved her in Sneaky Pete. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Sneaky Pete, but um, Marion is brilliant. So Sneaky Pete is a show that should never have been cancelled. It's brilliant. <laughs> So, I think a character uh, like what they did with Missy Pyle, who played uh, Roxanne, I mm. think the way that she just kind of comes out of nowhere and it's just this one day she's there and mm. she is in charge of this, like she's a literal cult leader. Um, but like, it's almost like she doesn't matter as much as using her to further Nora's story. So we get to actually see a villain be born mm-hmm. like in the series mm-hmm. versus like having to just kind of accept that Roxanne is the bad guy because the story has told us that Roxanne is the bad guy but instead we get the build-up the lead-up to Nora becoming like this this big bad I think that's probably the only character arc in the story that's done well right mm-hmm. yeah. um, it's funny because yeah. I didn't even realize because I, I had <clears throat> forgot that Victoria was the name of the leader of the Amazons <laughs> in the comics I'm just now realizing that, <clears throat> excuse me, that she's going to be a villain going forward. Mm-hmm. I had, <clears throat> I had thought maybe she was going to like take over the Amazons and, you know, everything was going to be honky dory. So that it, it makes her even more interesting now to think like, Oh yeah, this was a heck of an origin story. And I agree, Mark and Jasmine, that her, the motivations for her mm-hmm. were done better. It felt more organic yeah. for her to be the character yeah. Yeah. that she is at the end. That episode that we're talking about with Roxanne, that was the one for me that I was like, this is getting really bad. I know, with, that's with, awful. With the, yeah. It had uh, potential to be great. Like, cause I do like stories that go back and forth and like the way it was doing that, showing you her her origin story, Roxanne's origin story. But there didn't was two need it though. Right. No, I get that. There, there was two moments in that episode that I couldn't stand. It was when Sam and Hero split up. I was like, Really? You're just gonna split up already? You guys are pretty mm-hmm. tight. You guys just got there. I didn't buy that. And I'm already like this. I wrote that down. It's like bad. You know, I didn't like that. <laughs> right after that, Nora, Victoria, she's got a lot of names, but uh, Victoria's daughter is like, mom, if you got to go, I'm staying. Yeah. It's like I, I didn't buy that either. It's like, okay, now, now the kid is going to ba- abandon her mom. They're just doing whatever they got to do to make the characters yeah. fit the plot. You know what I mean? And just yeah. skipping a lot of steps in between, I thought, for those two in particular yeah. no i didn't like that bit with the, with the mom and the daughter either i thought no i'm not seeing that like that mom has been there for the her the whole time so i don't buy that her daughter's like now i'm abandoning you mom if you go I'm right. saying. like I, and i thought i don't buy that some kid abandons their parents like i mean i know that they're <laughs> i know that there's difficult relationships in the real world but we hadn't seen that between those two characters. So up until that point, yeah. that, that was definitely done to further the, the, the journey of Nora though. So, right. so I think that was probably the motivation for Nora to suddenly step up. So mm-hmm. um, we've kind of teased and gone through little bits here and there. I, I know there's quite a few <laughs> things for Jasmine, but 
I'm going to ask the question, what worked? What didn't work? Like, Jasmine, go on, you, you kick us off. What worked? Oh, no. What didn't work? Okay, what worked? Um, the first episode was fantastic because mm-hmm. it did not just drop us into the apocalypse. We got a lot of lead up. We got a lot of build up. We got to see kind of like little vignettes of what everyone was doing right before it happened. But it gave enough context to actually give us a reason to want to root for the characters who are left. Um, so I, th- I, I thought that even though the, the pacing was still weird, I thought that the first episode was really great just because it, it did a really good job of laying so much groundwork to give us insight into all of these different women's personalities before everything hits the fan. Um, so we kind of, and I think that if we didn't have that, then it would have been very odd to just kind of start. And it's like, well, there's a power dynamic, but we don't understand the power dynamic. And we don't know if anybody is out of character or if this is weird for someone. Um, so laying the groundwork in the first episode was, was really nice. Um, I think that works really well. Um, <laughs> what didn't work? Uh, a, a lot uh, didn't work. We, we said before it was too long. Um, they did not need 10 episodes to tell the story. Um, some of the characters were so flat and it was just like, nope, don't like you. Like there's no reason for me to even entertain liking you. Like the, I can't remember her name. I want to say Valentine, but Valentine was the name of the woman in the comic, but the, the woman who was alive in Israel that is actually supposed to be the president. um, Right. Yeah, like she just came in and like she woke up from that coma and like oh, at the end of it, yeah, Regina, thank you. And so like by the time she came in, I just want some more water, and I'm just like, oh no, I don't like her. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> right. I just feel like they, for some of the characters, they just threw us into this person. But like again, even with villains, there has to be some kind of something like. For instance, with Kimberly, the way that they show she's got a husband and she's got three sons. So immediately, like, we know that she has lost a lot when all of this happens. Um, I like her. Yeah, but she's a good villain. And it's really right. funny to me that Amber Tamblyn plays her because Amber Tamblyn is so liberal. <laughs> <laughs> really? So, like, to see her in that kind of role is kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but, like, she she has enough personality and she also has enough, uh, like, she's written well enough as a brand new character that you can understand how what she says can be so insidious and how she can weave her way in between the two factions that are within the Pentagon. Like she, she's done well. So I'll give them that. Like uh, adding this Kimberly Cunningham character was a good fit because it bridges the, oh, well, because before in the comic, it's just like the wives of the dead senators just show up at the white house one day and they're like nope we're taking our husband's seats and everybody else is like that's not how the constitution works like that's mm-hmm. that's not going to happen um but the way that they did it in the, in the series it is far more like the calls coming from inside the house where it's like no no we have the inside track she's the daughter of the former president um so it just like the the way they kind of layered her in as the villain uh it's i thought that was done really well um but yeah no most of the series to me was just flat and it completely missed the mark in just about every other area well even i what do you think works versus what didn't work uh 
I agree with with you, Jasmine. I, I like I liked her actually a lot. And mm-hmm. the, most of what went on at the White House, I did like. I didn't like uh, the performance when you brought in Yorick's girlfriend. <sighs> she's good when she's Yorick's girlfriend and she's like being nice. Her as a terrorist, that, I know. that didn't work for me. What a but, stretch. <laughs> right. So the, all, all that stuff. That worked pretty well. Also, the relationship between Yorick and 355 mm-hmm. at certain times, especially, I think you you might have one of you might have mentioned it earlier when when they're on the bridge and they're arguing. I, I think she's yeah. a fantastic actress. So their chemistry and their relationship mm-hmm. definitely worked with him being a pain in the ass. Yes. Her having a mission. Yeah. Like that mm-hmm. worked. And then plus just I think what works the best is the mystery, not only like the, the larger mystery of why did all the men die like that's very intriguing you know the series didn't have to do anything to make that intriguing brian k vaughn did, did all the, <laughs> the heavy lifting there but the the mystery of what is up with 355 mm-hmm. and can she be trusted she's i mean I, as i'm saying that it's like no i i trust her pretty wholeheartedly but yeah. they did a pretty good job of making her where she comes from and what the culpa is mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. mysterious i i'm interested mark you're the only one that knows you you've read the whole thing you you know who she is and all the answers so don't don't tell me yeah <laughs> but, but that all worked pretty damn well for me and we've we've discussed quite a bit what didn't work and i'll just repeat what we've all said it's the length of it and i keep thinking yeah. about i keep thinking about falcon and the winter soldier which has got mixed opinions i liked it quite a bit but they told a lot of story. Mm-hmm. They did a lot of character development. And that was six episodes that were like yeah. 42 minutes long. Each. Yes. Like you they did made... a lot in 42 minutes. Right. You could have made all these episodes like the, the Roxanne episode. If that was 40 minutes long or 43 minutes long or whatever, it would have been so much better. They just stretched it out way longer because I was actually like at the beginning of that episode when they flash back and they were going to show her beforehand. I was like, oh, this could be good because I didn't like the few episodes before that. I'm like, okay, this could be a good one. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, I'm like, this might be the worst one. I agree with you. That, that Roxanne episode was actually probably the worst episode for me. I think in some ways I'm like, well, okay, now, now it's like we, we know her backstory. Okay, great. But I actually didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's irrelevant. Like her backstory yeah. is completely irrelevant. I mean, right. it just... Um, it was a time waster. That entire episode could have been cut. Yeah. So I think what worked versus what didn't. Um, I think the first episode worked really well. I actually mm-hmm. love that. The last episode, for, for the most part, I think was really good. It was a good finale. It was exciting. I think so too. Finally, it was good to have that confrontational moment. I think actually, you know, we talk about cliffhanger, but I think they left enough stuff teased that I was interested in the second season. I think the 10 episodes, I think what it was is the length of this season um, for, and the pacing were very much off. So it's like they had a great premise, like you say, Brian K. Vaughan created the premise. Um, they adapted it reasonably well. Like they, they did a good start and a good finish. And I think the first five episodes, I think, were really quite strong. And then sort of six all the way to nine kind of just lulled. Like, and... They could have, I don't know, maybe they could have got six to nine and edited them into two episodes or one episode or something like that. <laughs> but one of the things I was thinking was, okay, I think they've kind of done reasonably well to have taken, you know, this source material, uh, which I hold in my hand here, 
to into the TV series, the TV series. And what I liked was, as a fan, I mean, Why the Last Man is literally one of my favourite comic books. Like, it's, you know, it's one of the first indies I think I can ever remember reading. Uh, what I loved was actually that by the end of episode 10, that is actually issue 10 of the comics. So I thought, okay, so we've got 60 issues. What we're looking at roughly is about six seasons if they follow. Oh yeah, Eliza Clark format. said she had five seasons planned out for this okay. series. Hmm. So I, I think they did a, a very, you know, good enough job in terms of, a, of adaption. Um, I mean, there was what I feel like didn't work was, I mean, we're kind of segue into this now about TV series versus graphic novel. Um, I'll kind of put it all into one here. So I, I didn't like the fact that we had Beth. It was unnecessary. I yeah. didn't like, like you said, I, I really, that was my one biggest beef was I really wish Yorick had asked her to get married the way he did in the comics. I, it was brilliant. It was brilliant over the phone. It cuts out. Beth was in Australia mm-hmm. and we were going to, you know, we pick up with Beth much later in the comic book series. Um, rather than having her in this, it means that now Beth's got this whole story that we we never had in the comics, which we don't really need and like, I don't really buy yeah. her as a terrorist either and um so I think I they didn't have much in the way of the political stuff in the tv in the comics like I mean it was marginal they, so, but they resolved it like they did have all of those women come to the white house oh yeah they, but they, they resolved, resolved it, it early enough yeah. that it was it was kind of like okay now we're moving on to actual important shit like making sure yeah, the power yeah. plants are turned back on uh yeah no definitely and I I think it was good to have more of that because I think that was more realistic in the TV series. Mm-hmm. But equally, I got bored of it. So, and I got bored of all of the people in the White House. It was actually a lot of the White House that I dragged it down. I did think having those confrontational things and the and the structure of the politics was good. But maybe what they could have done was just, I actually would have been happy if they had just done one episode just dedicated to the politics and like you know how sometimes they do these bottle episodes where they just have like they focus on one character i probably would have been happy if they'd have just done like one episode like i don't know maybe we don't even see the politicians for like the first five or six episodes and then we just go to them and and we don't even see yorick and everyone and they just have one episode focus on diane lane's character and all the rest of them and literally they could even say they could kind of do day one, day two, day 10, you know, and by the end of that episode, that's it, we've done the politics. Because I think the politics slowed the show down. And um, mm. for me, it wasn't as interesting. I think Diane Lane's an amazing actress, but mm. I just think it slowed it down and it's unnecessary for me. Um, the way that they did the politics makes me want to ask, like, is this your way of saying, like, women are just as bad as men like is that is that what the whole point of that well, was like i don't right. i don't know why they dragged well, it out for that long like well is, is that the whole point I mean, that's interesting in itself like of the whole show like what yeah. what do you what are you saying brian k vaughn yeah. and, and maybe there's something we can get into later or something but what would it be if it was switched what if all the women right. died that, that would be interesting. Uh, what differences yeah. would would take place because of that you know what i mean do you, do you know um, uh, Twilight by Stephanie, whatever her name, what's her name? Um, yes, Meyer. Oh, well, yeah, Stephanie Meyer. And you know how she wrote Twilight from Bella's point of view? And then she released a book recently that was all Edward's point of view. Um, what would be interesting is if Brian K. Vaughan revisited his concept 
and why the last woman or something like, or no it's not why is right. it it's, um, no. it's, uh, it'd be x <laughs> x yeah x yeah. x the last woman. X the last, like, yeah like <laughs> i i would i would love it if brian k vaughan revisited his concept and spun it on its head and to show us his version of what would happen if all the men died, sorry all the women died and um and we and you know we have one woman survives right I mean, that would be oh god intro- see oh, that's oh. that gets a lot darker the, yes well yeah i can imagine that would be a lot darker. the power but, would still be on though it would be a different show you know if what I mean? you like, want <laughs> to see something like that go back and watch uh children of men children mm-hmm. of men with clive uh clive owen and chitwell is for it's about I've seen it. How, I love it. how women can't get pregnant anymore and oh. how they find the one woman in the world that is pregnant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Oh, yeah, that was a pr- yeah, that was a brilliant film, honestly. Have you not seen that? No. Uh-uh. It's, 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 it's uh, good. It's it. really heavy. It's good, though. That's cool. Yeah, it's, it's set in 2027, so, you know, you've still got time to catch up. Right, um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I think, you know, what versus the graphic novel... I think I genuinely just didn't like the best stuff. I there was no point. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't like that they didn't have the Israel troops in there. Yes, I was really disappointed by that. Like, like I was, I was disappointed that they didn't sort of actually kind of bring them in. Yeah. So I'm like, well, when are they going to bring them in? Like they obviously saw a reason not to have it, but equally. But I with the five season plan, I can see why. Like you, you need to save something, but yeah. Okay, now I I can appreciate a writer having a long-term plan. However, in this like day and age, even if you have a five-year plan, your first season plan still needs to be conclusive. Mm -hmm. Just in case, like you need to be able to tell a compelling enough story in the first season that does two things, makes, makes people want to see more, but also makes your network happy, right? Like, Mm -hmm. And, and again, like having a five-year plan, but there being no indication except for like, oh, 355 and York and, uh, you know, Dr. Mann are on the road and they're just, they're driving with a map that, you know, the Culpa ring left for them. And it's like, that's, that's all you have. Like you're missing the crazy Russian that kept talking about the man in the sky. You have no Russian lady. Like we have (laughs) no mention of the astronauts or the cosmonauts. We have no mention of the Israeli army and how they had their own sort of insidious plan to, to figure out what was going on with, with this whole thing. Like there's so much stuff that's introduced within the first 10 issues that leave really great clues and questions as to where the story is headed and you don't have any of that in this first season and i think that was a huge huge mistake because now it does not feel like this is a global thing like they have condensed the story to the point by the end of the first season where this feels very contained and it feels very american and it's like okay obviously this happened all over the world but like you don't feel that anymore because there's no mm. more mention of any of the for- other foreign powers. There's no more mention of any other governments. And it's just like, I, I feel like you left a lot on the table and that could, well, again, I mean, it was canceled halfway through the season, but still like, I feel like if you had left more nuggets, like even if that Russian woman was just in passing because in the books, like they 355 in York run into her and then nothing happens. Like they go their own separate ways, but it was just like, they had that one interaction in the book. 
to the point where like literally as i'm reading several issues past russian woman i keep thinking back to her like the fuck does she mean the man in the sky like what it what is that what is she talking about like how high is this woman um but like it planted a seed that really made me continue to think about this woman and i just feel like you you didn't give the audience enough to grasp onto to want to find out what else is going on mm-hmm. yeah uh, do you know i for years and this was in development hell i remember at one point they said this was going to be a movie um and i was like no i was like there's so much to cover yeah but actually watching this i was like you know what like not one movie but maybe like a trilogy uh, i feel like a trilogy could have been too long but maybe like two films like two maybe long films like say two two hour films that might have worked better for this i think Mm. like now looking at it i was very much on board with the tv series Mm -hmm. because i thought there's i thought there's a lot to cover in these 60 issues but maybe the trouble is in the hands of people that want to create 10 plus episodes. Per yeah, but season. we got to get away from that. Right. I mean, if, right. if we can move away from 22 episode seasons, we can definitely move away from, I don't have 10 episodes worth of story to tell. I have six yeah, episodes right. worth of story to tell. And, and if you're only telling six episodes, like you said, uh, Verno with uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like there's no room for fluff. Like right. we don't need fluff episodes if we've only got six to 10, like, or even eight episodes, you know, like 22, 23 episodes, there's plenty of room in there to have in your fillers, your throwaways that no one cares about except for like the mega fans. Mm-hmm. But like, just because you're streaming, it doesn't mean you have to stick to this 10 episode format. You can go shorter. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're telling a tighter story, which there was plenty of room for them to tighten up the story, like you can still tell something really compelling in only six episodes. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, we've talked, we, I normally would move into structure, but we've kind of covered structure and the scripts and stuff like that. Um, and I think we've kind of covered a lot of what we would have cut and changed. Um, I was going to say, is there any particular favorite moments throughout the season though? Like um, the jump out of you, Verno, is anything that's sort of your favorite? yes i had uh i think i already mentioned it but that that one scene on the bridge that was i think one of the best like performances with two characters and it was showing like their flaws mm-hmm. i think uh 355 which i love that you guys keep calling it 355 because because of mark i listened to your guys's episode that you did on the on the graphic oh, novel and they, oh, yeah. they, they they call her 355 exclusively yeah. in the television show i asked my buddy that who read it too he's like 355 like, what, what kind of what kind of british fuck would say 355 <laughs> no, no, but uh they were that was good that was probably one of my favorites just because it was like both of their their flaws were on display 355 calling Yorick out for needing to man mm-hmm. up and then Yorick calling her out. I think the line he used was like, you go full Rambo yes. on, all, on all of your problems, which, which was really good. Then there was another one that was more subtle that I just, I really liked. And it was, <clears throat> excuse me. It was when uh, we had the president's assistant mm-hmm. who was, it was great. Like, she's just like a really beautiful woman, by the way. I just, I just liked her look. She gets pregnant, and then we have the conservative woman. Yeah, they go in and they're they're doing the the sonogram or whatever it's called, ultrasound. Uh-huh. Yeah, and the nurse tearing up and apologizing for tearing up because there there's just been so much death. Yeah, like that that scene really worked for me, and I I really enjoyed that. So that was just another one that worked good. And then the other one was uh, 
with 355, she's got this shoelace. And yeah. she's showing how she can beat everyone's ass with the shoelace. Yeah. And then, like, they're giving her the your shoelace. You're going to do that. And then all of a sudden, like, a threat comes in the door. And Dr. Mann says, give her the shoelace. Like, that That was, like, one of the best jokes to me that really hit hard. It was like, that was funny. Yeah. yeah. There, there were a lot of good moments. But those are a few that I really liked. <laughs> I did like that moment with Dr. Mann. <laughs> Three, five, five, she was like, well, I feel much better now that you have a shoelace. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Doctor Man's probably like the one of the most underused characters in this. Yeah, season. they gave like, her a lot more personality in this series than she had in the comics. But what I mean is, they didn't do enough with her, considering how important she is. Mm-hmm. So I, I, they could have done more of her. Maybe maybe again they would have done as we went on. But uh, did you have anything like favorite moments throughout season one, Jasmine? Um, actually, one of my favorite moments, just because to me it showed how like desolate and alone something like this could feel was when ampersand ran away from york i think it was like the second episode Mm -hmm. and so he's like he goes into the water in the subway station and and like all of that stuff but then eventually he gets dry clothes and goes back and sits at that station and literally just like is on the verge of falling apart when the monkey comes back Mm -hmm. and i was like Okay. Like I didn't enjoy any of the part with him and the cleaners being naked and almost getting shot, but like, just like the desperation that he felt to go back and sit in this flooded subway station, like hoping that his monkey would come back. And eventually he did. But like, I really, I really thought that scene like was, was well done. Mm-hmm. I think I, I do. I do agree with what I said earlier about the, the ultrasound thing. They kind of sort of, Put their differences aside for the ultrasound. Was it with um? Uh, is it Kimberly was there mm-hmm. as well, wasn't she? Like, yeah, I liked that because she was like, "Look, don't this kind of." I think she kind of said, "Let's put our differences aside, you know. Let's just do this." And um, and I thought that was quite nice. Like they said, you know, with all the de- the death and stuff. I I think that was a good moment actually. I did like that. Um, I really liked, and I did talk about earlier though. I I, I did like the reunion of Yorick and Hero, as much as it wasn't the same from the comics, I did love that emotion between the two of them. And considering mm-hmm. these two didn't get that much screen time together, it, it did feel like brother and sister sort of reunited. I think they did a good job, both the actors and um, both the actor and actress uh, playing those roles to see that emotion and that sort of bonding in that short period of time. But what I love though is in TV series and films when you have a build up to something, you knew that these two are gonna run into each other at some point mm-hmm. and to have it at such a, a huge moment. Is it, um, I've forgotten her name, Son- is it Sonia? Um, the girl yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah. I, I'll be honest, her death was wasted. It was done quite badly. And I know she does get killed at that same time in the comics as well, mm-hmm. but I kind of felt like how it was kind of just from someone across a field, it, it wasn't as dramatic as it was in the oh, comics. Oh yeah, because in the comics, like, she, you you said earlier hero, but it was actually Sonia who shot uh, Victoria in the comics. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, she got shot, um, but it was all dramatic. It was in front of everybody. This was in a field in the middle of nowhere. That that was only my only sort of play, but I did love the, the sort of the bond between the two of them, seeing them build up to that thing. And my other favourite moment was, and I, I did, this is why I talked about earlier, was when Nora kills Roxanne, I was yes. definitely, I was definitely rooting for that. Like yes. once I realized it was going to happen, I was like, yes, finally. <laughs> like, Someone is going to shut this woman up. Like, 
So, um, but everyone was like shocked, but then to see her kind of just take charge. And I was like, this is a cool part of the thing. Like the, the story, I really, I really loved it. I, loved, I loved seeing Nora's growth and to see in that moment where she takes Roxanne out. I thought that was a brilliant scene at Stone Paul. I, that's probably is my favorite scene. Like not that I obviously um, would want that to happen in the real world, but like uh, <laughs> to, see, to see Nora becoming the queen of the Amazons, essentially, I thought was brilliant. So, um, right, okay, so the cliffhanger leaves quite a lot of things outstanding. We get 355, get some car with, like, magic goods, and yeah. Diane Lane's character is kidnapped and stuck in some room, and, and you know, it just there's a lot of things outstanding. Obviously, we've got potentially a new bunch of Amazons and stuff like that. I mean, did, did it leave you guys wanting to carry on if there was a, no. a potential season two? Not at all. Um, <laughs> nah, I mean, if another one came out, I would probably check it out. But no, it doesn't leave me. I mean, it, it, what it really makes me want to do is just go read the comics, to be honest with you, yeah. because that's where all the answers are. And I yeah. know that it's going to be handled well there. And I don't have to have some shitty guy play at York. Oh, my <laughs> you know God. What I mean? <laughs> that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, yeah. I hope now I can go read the book and not have that character that interpretation of Yorick influenced the way I interpret the character of the comics. You know what I mean? You won't like and to me, the comic Yorick, he's, he's still a smarmy bastard, but he's not mm. whiny. Right. And well, the way that they portray him in the series, he's very whiny. It's different because I always use Harry Potter as the example for this, because I've read those books before I watched the movies mm -hmm. and a novel. There's so much left up to the individual's interpretation. Mm -hmm. So I remember I read the books. I would like read a book, watch a movie, read the book, watch the movie, because they were all out by the time I, I was catching up. And I remember each time I would be like, that is not that character. Like, why is she <laughs> acting like this? Then I would go back and read the books and be like, oh, okay, I get it. That's I get that interpretation. But now I'm stuck with that interpretation. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit different for a novel than it is a comic book. Yeah. I would definitely say it's worth carrying on with these books. Like, obviously, Wine and Last Man, I, I was saying this on our um, book club where we had Jennifer from uh, Comics Break Your Heart. I've always recommended Fables and Why the Last Man to people. I think they are good entry points into comics. And the good thing, I, I would say Why the Last Man is probably better because it's just 60 issues and that's it, you're done. And you've mm -hmm. told a whole complete story. So I would actually love to hear like your opinions when you read these read these books and finish them like because it is a great story honestly well the story uh, made me want to keep going i after i finished issue 10 i was like yeah i really need to pick these up even if i do like one a month or something like to keep going with that but watching the series all i could think when it was over was there ain't no russian woman and there's nobody in the space <laughs> station and i'm not freaking interested <laughs> I think what I'd be happy is if they rebooted this as a movie trilogy and keep 355, keep Diane Lane, keep keep Mar Marin Island, who plays Nora, and maybe get rid of the rest of them. Oh, actually, no, <laughs> Alison Mann, Alison Mann, recast Yorick. Um, even I agree. Actually, no, do you know what? The actress who played Hero, I liked the actress. Maybe, like, fine-tune the character a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say it's the character uh, itself of Hero that they did poorly. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't mind the actress. 
And I didn't, and that actually, that's the one thing I didn't like for Hero is that she killed her boyfriend rather yeah, than. Yeah, that was so unnecessary. Like, I don't know why that, they created they, That's the, not how it is in the comics. Because I honestly, I forget uh, a lot. No, about, in the uh, comics, they were just screwing around in the ambulance and then the event he happened does, and he died. Else. Like, yeah, in the yeah. ambulance with her. So, yeah. like, I just. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't understand it, it, that. It did add like something like an ir- irredeemable quality to her you yeah know what I mean? you can't that's not something you can necessarily be she can't it's weird because her name is hero but it's hard to then make her a hero i don't know where her story goes yeah but it would be hard to think of her as like a, an actual good guy in the story. well see like in in the book in the first 10 issues her transition to the amazons is so abrupt and sudden that even in the mm-hmm. book it feels way out of place so i think they tried to give her a little bit more backstory in the series but even mm-hmm. that didn't work well because it's like right why did we have to go through all of this like for, for to yeah. still have a shitty character on the other side of it right you know what i thought they were going to do and it would have made it would have made it make sense why they were spending so much time with the amazons i thought it was going to lead to all of the women cutting off one of their breasts Yo, man, you know what that, I mean? that one scene where they like buried the girl in the right. dirt and put her in the bathtub that whole time i was like Oh God, they're gonna they're gonna right. cut no, off her they're yeah, gonna cut yeah. off her boob in front too. of this crowd of people. Oh my god, like I was so tense like watching that scene. <laughs> I, literally, <laughs> I, I literally kept thinking that was gonna happen, obviously, yeah. the Me whole too. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, but I was just like Sam in that scene, like he leaned over to Hero and he was like, This is so fucking weird. And I was like, Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being the yeah. voice of reason. This is weird. It was un- that was unnecessary, that whole yes. thing. Like, the completely. only thing that I can see them keeping, or I can I can understand where they were going, was like the scene where the women are all like bathing. Because I think in a world with no men, women would not be self-conscious. And that could be something that would actually happen. Right. But other than that, like all of the the whole their whole handling of the Amazons was just very poorly done. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll bring our review to a close of season one, and um, I'll start with Jasmine. Really, oh, just no. how would you how would you rate it out of five? Yeah, I got it. One and a half. Wow. One and uh, a half. <laughs> Berno, where would you rate the show out of oh. five? Oh, we we can do a little better than that. I don't. I didn't think it was that bad. There was enough good performances and the concept is out good enough all the things that we've said i'll give it i'll give it a three out of five but then again i don't like i said i don't watch much tv so it's like uh, what, <laughs> what am i comparing it to i haven't watched a show like this since lost it's been years so it's like it's it's better than what i see my fiance watching on the walking dead i'll just i'll say that <laughs> you know what i mean i think i there's a lot of walking dead similarities in this um lost is one of the best TV shows ever made. I think opinion. their flashbacks like, in this series were very similar to what they did in Lost. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of like each episode kind of focused on somebody. Mm-hmm. But I didn't actually feel their flashbacks were done well. Like, I love, no, but I like the transitions. I loved with Lost, you get that weird music as you do the flashback and then the mm-hmm. weird music as you come back. So, um, with the flashbacks in this show, it was just like, they just changed the scene and you're only like, oh, it's a flashback. Like, and sometimes I was a bit thrown off. Like, but anyway, me too. Especially with I, that Roxanne scene, it was hard to yeah, keep track yeah, of yeah. where you were at. 
Yeah, definitely. Like, I wasn't too sure what was going on an issue with the police car and stuff. And I was like, oh, why is she dressed as a policewoman? Oh, oh, this is a flashback. Right. Like, oh, okay, right, okay. Um, but I, I would go then, I'd give it a three out of five. I think the production value is pretty high. I think actually most of the actors and actresses were strong. Like, they weren't weak in terms of their acting. Um, and I, I just think, that, I think where it struggled was they didn't adapt the source material well enough. Mm-hmm. the structure and the pacing was off and they should have probably done this in somewhere between six to eight episodes you know i probably think i think eight may have worked or maybe eight 45 minute episodes rather than yeah that's what i think than eight one hour episodes mm-hmm. but i think there was a lot of that and i also think they should have cut some of the more minor characters out of the white house that i wasn't interested in um i think there's a lot of characters in the white house that maybe need to have their roles reduced sorry like to those actors and extras but like, like um but yeah i think i think a three out of five um and i would be keen to see a season two but i think if they brought it back i think they should reduce it down to six episodes or something like that and try and make it tighter i think that's probably what they need to do mm-hmm. be tighter with it so but there we go we can bring our uh, season one review to a close and um just thank you for joining us, Verno, along the way. And um, in our next episode, though, we'll be uh, Geeks on Each Conversation, and we'll be speaking to writer and comic book creator Sean Pryor. And don't forget, we did start a second podcast series where we tackle some of the most essential graphic novels of all time. Our 12th Late to the Party Book Club episode was Fables Volumes 1 and 2 that came out just this month. Um, and we were joined by Jennifer from Comics Will Break Your Heart. Our next book club, we are revisiting Scott Pilgrim. So we're going to be taking a look at Scott Pilgrim Volume 2. And you can follow Geeks and Niche everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And Verna, where can everybody find you? Uh, You can find me on the YouTubes. Look for the the Cerebros. Type in comics just to make sure you find it. But Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify. I'm on Instagram at Cerebros. I'm on Twitter at TCerebros. And uh, yeah, man, look look me up. We do cool things. We talk comics, do uh, non-spoiler reviews every Wednesday for the new books coming out, and then uh, get together with with cool people like Rock and Robbie Billups is my guest this weekend. We we break down the comics in a little bit more uh, in depth kind of way. Awesome. Uh, again, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, hey, thanks, thanks so for much. Having me. It's a ton and of fun. you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can subscribe on youtube i don't know is it over here is the button over there it's it's it's, it's down somewhere, there somewhere somewhere on around, the bottom yeah. so just <laughs> click that little linky link there and uh you'll know when we get updated and uh yeah like leave comments likes five star reviews all around so anyway thank you for listening and see you next week good journey oh good journey <laughs> <laughs> good journey again.